that I wasn't strong enough in defending my point of view and um, advocating that that's the way we should go about things. And sometimes you don't even need to defend it like having a philosophical conversation, just take it with the users. So if I would do things differently and if there's another advice that I wanna give today is that when you see something that's not clear or going in the wrong direction, then don't just, don't turn it into a conversation of egos or I think it's like that. And I think it's like, let's just go out and check with the users. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Honest UX Talks. As always, I am joined by my dear Aunt Fisa, and today we will be tackling the topic that promises a lot of interesting insights. We will be discussing what goes wrong in UX projects, and although it sounds like hmm, how many things can go wrong, we will probably uncover there are so many ways in which a UX project can go wrong and so many things that can happen and a crisis that may emerge. So we will try to not go very deep into the problems we will be listing, but more like go um, broadly over them and just if some parts feel extremely juicy or we have a lot of energy to discuss them, we will do them in further episodes. But right now we will be focusing on just listing some of the most common pitfalls or problems that may arise in a UX process and a very high level understand how we could avoid them. Um, with that being said, I will ask my dear Aunt Fisa if she wants to share anything about herself or past week or her work, or do you have anything interesting to share with the audience before we start discussing? Yeah, well, I think all, all I want to share, I mean, right now at my work, it's so busy that I'm, I hate the word busy, but it's so busy that I'm not able to do or focus on my side projects fully, like I wish I would. So basically this is now in like in the suspense mode. However, I've just started my email list uh, recently, officially, because I think like in one of the previous episodes, I was like sort of implying that I'm planning or in like intending to do this but not not starting it yet officially but now i finally did so if you're interested in hearing about the upcoming uh design workshops or some events that i'll be trying to run we'll see how it goes because the time is always a problem especially if you want to hear um about the job board actually yeah by the way i've started the junior ux design job board uh where i would just be collecting the new post or like job positions for the junior designers or internships specifically because this is something i see is missing a lot in the market and everybody's just searching for like yeah seniors but nobody's searching for juniors i just wanted to make sure we have a space for people to also turn into if they're looking for junior positions and also i will be sometimes sharing there some of the tips or insights like we're doing here with you actually uh if you're listening to our episodes i may i may sometimes also drop there some episodes um but also expand on them maybe if i have extra things to to talk about on this email list so feel free to check it out and uh, in the show notes you can find the link and to sign up to this email list if you're interested and that's it on my side what about you joanna well, I don't have much to add right now, except that we're hosting a couple of very interesting events with Mental Design Academy in the upcoming weeks. Um, we will be having an, an event around um, understanding inclusive design, where we will be joined by 
uh, very articulate voices in the industry to understand and unpack what inclusive design is and how we can uh, strive for it in our UX projects. And then we will be having an event where we'll talk about AR, VR, and designing for the emerging technologies and so on. And I think we have a lot of things, uh, very juicy things coming up with Mental Design Academy. So everybody that wants to attend any of these events, please join our meetup group, Mental Design Academy group on Meetup, obviously, and then you will definitely be up to date with all the juicy things that we're cooking at our UX bootcamp. And with that being said, I'm going to move into the first question for today, which is very broadly, what are some common things that you've seen can go wrong in a design project? All right, so where do we start? <laughs> which part of the whole UX cosmos we started from? <laughs> Okay, um, when I was thinking about this topic, um, to be honest, I could come up with a bunch of problems that it, or things that could go wrong in different contexts, freelance context and, uh, and uh, like working in bigger companies context. So each of those could be separate discussion, just a disclaimer here, but I would like name some of the things which I personally struggled from as I was working on different projects and thus some things that I can also come up with the use case and explain why it was, you know, a problem, a real problem. So first thing first, uh, since I was doing a lot of freelance work and since, you know, it was literally my first full-time job, so to say, <laughs> freelancing. Um, as a designer, uh, I did most of the things alone, right? So as a freelancer, you sometimes are like an extra resource joining the team, established team, or uh, maybe like a new team, basically. And so, yeah, like when you're not experienced, when you're a junior and you're working in a like startup or freelance context, um, there is no one you can look out for. And so there is a higher chance that you will make a mistake or uh, yeah, learn basically from your mistakes, hopefully. So one of the things which I've seen a lot happened um, in the beginning of my career was uh, like many people I think are doing is starting from the idea, not from the problem. So there is the statistics, uh, which is, I believe, is the most recent statistics because they're doing like the recalculations every year. So if I'm not mistaken, in 2020, there was the statistic that um, the biggest number one problem why most of the products or startups failed in the first five years is because there was no product market fit. Actually, I think if, if I'm not mistaken, the number was something around 40% of the products, which is crazy. Uh, lit literally think of it, it's almost like every second product fails just because of no product market fit. It's very common to what I have seen in my practice when I was a freelancer, because many clients would come out um, and ask me to build this beautiful app or this great idea and not necessarily coming up to me with the problem in mind. So in actually, I think 99% it was like, hey, we have this great idea or we have this great app in mind. It will do X, Y, Z. And then the people will be happy and we will make the world a better place and all of that. Um, and it's, it's beautiful. It sounds great. It sounds exciting. I mean, it's, it's interesting if you want to tackle those challenges. However, here's the critical problem. Problem is that we, you start from the, the, the idea that you don't even know that there is a need for this idea. You don't know if people have a problem. You don't know if there is an audience that, that is interested in the solution. And basically you're starting backwards where it's it's so much more, I guess, correct. I don't know what's, what's the right way to say it, but it's more much so much more less risky. Let's put it that way. 
when you start from seeing the real problem, the real need, the real market um, demand, I guess, if you have any sort of validation on the market and you can see that there is no clear solution or there is uh, no solution that maybe tackles specific target user group, uh, in this case, it's so much more um, stable to start from the problem. And then, you know, you know already who's your target audience, uh, you can talk to them directly and go through this classic design process when you validate the market need and you also figure out who's their user and what kind of patterns they have so that you can also mimic those in the design solution. So that's number one. Um, another one is, again, coming back to my juniority in my freelance uh, freelancer shoes and being so my problem was that I was uh, in the very much beginning of my career was uh, that I was afraid to ask a lot of whys but and by that basically confronting the client about some of his ideas or his thinking because as a junior you're still not confident in yourself you're not even sure if you're you know this domain you don't know uh, you feel like everybody around you is smarter than you so you just have to take orders and if, if you sometimes have this gut feeling that, hey, this doesn't make sense to me, like, or not sure if what they're saying reflects or mimics in my mind, like, how about this? How about that? Do you know anything about it? So sort of being afraid to confront the client about some of their thinking or ideas or suggestions and ask a lot of advice before, uh, before jumping into the decisions and then designing and all of that. Uh, because it's true that, yeah, in the beginning, you feel like, oh, yeah, right, um, great idea, let's build it. But what what evidence or what validation data points do you have to make sure you're not wasting your time or business time or, you know, money and all of that resources? So another thing which could cut a lot of uh, or actually could save a lot of time and sort of um, a lot of effort is just by asking why. And if the client clearly doesn't have any validation or have any idea or doesn't even know why he thinks it's a good idea, then it's probably a red sign and you probably want to dig deeper into this problem space before again, jumping straight to it and start building up this whole huge Frankenstein design with all the ideas that the client comes up with. <laughs> and sometimes we do have to deal with the very creative clients who have many ideas and um, building it all in one space would be crazy. So critical thinking uh, and not being afraid to confront uh, our stakeholders. And then other couple of things which I felt like are important to mention here. And I think those goals in line with what we have discussed previously in this podcast, uh, things like um, scoping, too small, for example, if your project or the idea or the, this app idea that you are working on would sound like, um, yeah, it's just this, I don't know, to the list. So yeah, what's complex in it? Let's just do it. Uh, then maybe it's, uh, it's, it's just, just for safety reasons, it's good to scope it extra just in case. Give it, if you're thinking it's like one week, two weeks, five weeks, just in case, give it like at least 30% over um, estimation. Um, and then also if maybe, actually what I was saying, like to do the list up, <laughs> another thing I came up with, if the idea is too basic, maybe it's a good idea to also ask your clients what makes you think that it's something that people need 
and and sort of again question the intentions of this project and the objectives of this project so why do you think people need another to-do list on our app store or something uh, and and the answer is like yeah we just want to make a beautiful one doesn't always make a cut i think <laughs> should not make a cut and another point would be miscommunication uh making sure everybody is aligned making sure everybody's on the same page and shares similar knowledge so for this reason the best uh suggestion would be always for me is personal to establish some sort of kickoff workshop or maybe run a design sprint if you don't have much time but making sure everybody is aligned so there is no this huge pitfall no potential or no uh, risk for jumping into this huge pitfall where you everybody's pulling their side into their different sides and asking how about this how about that and you never finish the project and you lose the excitement and it just becomes a dread so again everybody's on the same page everybody's following the same process everybody sharing the same knowledge and you constantly communicate the design progress again for the specific objectives that you have identified in the beginning that, that's like the problem that i've seen which now i have to also came up with a quick solution but but that's it, a big 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 problem in whatever context you're working in uh either it is a freelance or a big company and also let me think last maybe two points I guess, so again, as a freelancer, I think informing the, the client about the process that will be taken, or at least the preliminary process, the, the stages, maybe the, the, the methods you want to apply in the design process so that this client knows what to expect, maybe has some idea about the timeline, a very rough idea, and also maybe extra budget. For example, if you will need extra budget for, uh, I don't know, like... Uh, user recruitment or user testing you the, the client needs to know about it otherwise again coming back to the question um the problem is that you might again start building up this miscommunication misexpectations if you don't have a trust in your team if your client thinks like you're just wasting the time and resources and not speaking up what you're doing and why uh this can all contribute to miscommunication and then to yeah lack of trust and then the whole process could actually go in vain. so that's a that's a big big risk that you have to always try to make sure to prevent and uh and maybe the very last point which could go wrong for me personally it went really wrong and i mean by, by saying wrong i'm saying that the project basically failed or project uh was launched but then it didn't work out right so another thing which contributed to this problem was that um me not protecting my boundaries so for example if the client would be super excited to work and then i'll constantly ask to do the, another last thing and and sometimes it would you know be taken to the night and so at the night i would have to make another last thing very classic story. I know many people are going through this. I went through it as well. And sort of not protecting my boundaries that led for me to overworking, that led for me to over sort of burning out. And then the project was just a dread where you were not in control, where you were taking orders, when you saw that the project is the complete, um, well, not a good project, so to say. <laughs> as you could see that the project was just going, like it's a waste of time. Everything you're doing does not make any sense. Altogether, the project does not just work. And then the client doesn't even have control anymore. He doesn't listen to you. And you're just like, you can see that you lose, you lost the control. So for designers, it's very, very important to be sort of, to manage the process and, and the communication and be sort of at the, at the, at the riding, what's the right way to say this? Like when you're riding the car <laughs> at the wheel, 
I don't know, manage the wheel. <laughs> What's the right way? I don't know. I think You're, it's in the driver's seat. Driver's seat. Yes, I like it. <laughs> and another, actually, another nice way to say this. I think I heard it somewhere from our team team colleagues. They were saying like, "Oh, I don't want to be the backseat driver." So it's when this there is the stakeholder who's uh, giving you orders and that controls what you're doing. Again, it's important that you're driving this to sit. Yeah. <laughs> How about your points? I'm sure you have a lot more to add. Actually, I don't have a lot more to add because okay. you've covered a lot of things. Uh, I love uh, that you touched upon some of the main uh, problems on my list. I'm just going to go through my list very briefly, very okay. quickly. Uh, definitely the one that you started with, like solving, not having product market fit, which means solving the wrong problem or solving no problem at all, which is also very tightly connected to starting from the solution. So I see this again and again, people who just have an idea and then they search for the problem that that idea solves. And it's just sometimes I don't know, sometimes it may work, sometimes it may be a good product, sometimes some people have intuition, uh, that's good, but most of the times it will like probably fail terribly. So focus on understanding the, the problem you are trying to solve and make sure that it's a real problem and uh, avoid starting from the solution. Just choose a problem space that you wanna explore and then go in with an open mind and not very attached to any particular um, idea that you already have. Um, and this leads into my second point that I wanted to make for this list is that you can have wrong research. And I think that wrong research can put you on the wrong path to wrong outputs and wrong outcomes. So I think that it's critical that you invest in having like deep, well thought uh, research activities and a, a deep understanding of all the insights that you uncover through research. And so take this stage very seriously because otherwise it can impact your product negatively and you can definitely fail. <laughs> and I know that Jared Spool says something that I really stand by. Um, bad research is worse than no research at all. So in, in, if you can't do proper research, I think it's better to do no research at all because bad research kind of gives you the impression that you know what you're doing. It gives you the confidence to not question whatever you need to question on that process because you know you've done the research, you've done, I don't know, a survey and a focus group and you, you know the answers and so you're, you're also confident. Whereas in the case where you're not doing research at all, then at least you know that you're guessing and you, you're aware that you're going in the dark. So I think that bad research can have even worse outcomes than, uh, than no research at all. Um, also, I think that a problem that I've seen and you also touched on is having uh, poorly documented solutions. So coming up with solutions that are very flimsy and they just cover like a happy path and not considering edge cases, not considering, I don't know, uh, the users that are not necessarily your principal target user or your persona or whatever. So leaving out people, not inclusive, not being inclusive solutions. So yeah, poorly documented solutions are something that I see very often in design uh, projects and it's, it's way more common than it should be. And the last point I wanna make is that sometimes there is no process and that definitely can't lead to anything good. So if you're just 
rambling, going from running from one point to another without any direction, without being intentional about the thing you're solving at every point, about the questions you're answering at every point, then if you don't have intent, you're just going to be, I don't know, going like a blind man um, from from one point to another, not knowing what's happening. And it's it's it leads to what you described, like losing control of the project. And that's really dark when it happens. And it's unfortunately, again, way more common than you would expect it to be. And so, um, yeah, I think my next question was, what can we do as designers to avoid this common pitfalls? But somehow when we were listing them, we were also talking about the advice that, for yeah. example, in the case of starting from a real problem, it means like doing real research and going in with curiosity and an open mind, like a blank slate, not without like knowing the answers already and feeling extremely confident about your solution without having the research done. So, so on some things we've touched, is anything else is there anything else that comes to your mind in terms of what designers should be doing to avoid some of the most common pitfalls or the ones that are now top of mind for you yeah well i mean we can still list them down so so to so to sort of have like a checklist or bullet points so people could kind of write it down if needed i think again like like you were saying like again starting from the from the problem making sure everybody's aligned on the team. So make sure you have any sort of workshops or kickoff workshops or design sprints, or maybe even lightning decision jams, any sort of workshop could be custom, could be already existing workshops uh, that you can just plug and play um, in your context. So those are two critical things, right? Another one, as I've already mentioned, is making sure you're not afraid to ask otherwise. And even if you're feeling like your role is very, very, very minor, maybe your junior designer sitting with, with many, many smart people in the room, um, still, if you feel like something doesn't stick well with you, try, at least try, try asking why, uh, like just just when somebody's making a statement and you feel like it's not something you would expect to do, maybe just ask like, uh, why do you think it makes sense? Or why do you think it's a good idea? Or what, what, are, the what, what are the proofs that we have in order um, to make sure it's, it's something right for us to work on? Um, so that's, again, another list point that I kind of brought up earlier. And another two points, actually, which I've, I've, I've come up with right now uh, were <clears throat> to use the checklist, I guess, to uh, make sure that you are designing for all those use cases um, and you don't miss out on anything because it's true that design is, is it, can get it can go crazy. You can work on so many different things, starting from, okay, what are the, what's the process? What's the, what are the stages? Okay, what are the data we are looking for? And how do we use this data to inform our design decisions? But then as you start designing, then you have to, design for so many use cases, right? You need to already say, like we discussed it previously in the uh, past episodes, like you would have to make sure it's accessible. You, you design for inclusion. You also design for, I don't know, localization. And then you have different breakpoints. And then it has um, uh, edge cases and I don't know, error cases, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to, maybe it's helpful to have this checklist uh, before you even start planning it, because as you start planning it and you see all the things that you still have to think about in front of you, 
that makes it a bit easier for you to plan and to really understand the complexity of the project that you're getting into. So also, and also communicate in this checklist, if, 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 if possible to call it checklist, uh, to your clients or your to your stakeholders. So they are also aware of the whole complexity of it. Of course, sometimes you would have to negotiate about some of the things. Maybe, you know, you don't have time for everything. Maybe you need it for tomorrow as always. Uh, so you can actually figure out the stages of doing it but you need to make sure your client knows about all of those things or the client or the team knows about all the things that goes into the process. Otherwise, uh, you're, you're designing for at least some mistakes or some small fails. <laughs> so, and actually the other point which comes out from this one is to make sure you're still doing your planning. Um, I really, really do not recommend jumping into projects thinking that we will figure it out on the go, we will somehow manage it, we will kind of adjust as we go. Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's okay to start one, two projects like this, just for experience to see why it's not working well, but I really don't recommend you to, again, go blindly and thinking that we'll figure it out as we fly. Because first of all, if you don't know what you're, what you're building, you then don't know what's what's gonna work. So let's say if you're if you don't have any process and you jump into the process and you don't have any process and then maybe it succeeded even the project succeeded. How do you know what exactly went well, what went not well? I mean, you can't measure it. So it's good to have at least some preliminary process plan and then run. I really recommend it to run a retrospective session with your team to see what worked well, what didn't work well, uh, what maybe were the things that you want to carry on, or maybe what are the things that you want to improve next time around, or what are the where the things you definitely should have done but you didn't thought about it. So now let's try to like integrate it in our next design process or challenge. So yeah, planning is important rhetoric is important doing learning doing learning all of that buzz um all of that curve okay anything else you would like to add here from what we were discussing so far maybe just one other point i think that you've covered most of the recommendations that designers should always keep in mind when embarking on design projects and another one that i would like to add is that you need to build self-awareness on every project that you're in and by that, I mean that I think to not lose track of the goals that you have from that project, of the research goals, of the, of the end goals that you want to achieve, the outcome that you want to achieve by going through that process and solving that problem. If you don't want to lose track of it, you have to um, just constantly zoom in and out. So you're zooming in, in the wrenches, in the trenches, or how do you call it, in the weeds, you're, you're there doing tactical things solving the problem from uh, from a very from from the ground but then you need to like every now and then zoom out and look at the big picture again so regain perspective because otherwise you will fall under this danger of just executing things doing one step after another but then not knowing where you're going anymore and losing direction and losing the like big picture of that project which you also need in order to um, like inform every step that you're doing. So I think that reflection and pausing to reflect on the process and how it's going is something that's very important in uh, avoiding all sorts of mistakes and pitfalls that can come up in a UX project. And that was the only thing I wanted to add. 
Yeah, I love it. It's a great point. Um, in and out, divergent, conversion thinking. This is super important always in any process we're doing. And yeah, with that being said, I would move into talking about about our talking a little about our personal experiences. And my last question would be, what have been some failed projects in your experience? <laughs> and do you want to share some lessons yeah. or something, some stories of what went bad on a particular UX project? Uh, do oh you have boy. Like that? Yeah. Well, thing is, I can speak about literally every project I did. <laughs> it's a lot of projects. Um, and as we said, like as we established, like you're you're doing a project, you're learning from it. Um, it's all fine. But there were many failed projects, um, especially when I was doing the freelance part of freelance work. And there were so many mistakes there. I mean, all the mistakes we have named today definitely they happened in my past so uh, speaking about one particular project I guess I will not speak but um, because again I, I just don't want to bring up any specific cases or specific clients however I want to mention some of the most critical issues which I was experiencing and why eventually the project failed in my opinion at least from my perspective as a freelancer right now as a, as a you know, working in a bigger company, I would not say we fail because pretty much every project we deliver and then we iterate and it's like ongoing process. So there is no state failed. But when it comes to like freelancing and startup projects, there is definitely a state failed when it's either not published at all in the, in the market or it's, um, it's published, but it's just not, it's not meeting the expectations or the, the metrics are just really low. Yeah, I would, I would totally talk about the freelancing experiences. And um, based on those mistakes I've mentioned, like not asking questions, not starting from the pro problem space, and then maybe scoping it right, not right, or maybe not protecting my boundaries. All those and other problems were leading to weak teams, I guess. That's the, that's the key, uh, in my opinion. So most of the times the team was either not strong enough from the beginning or the team eventually stopped caring. I mean, there are many ways how the team dynamic could go wrong. For example, if the team is not strong enough, it means that, yeah, everybody is very junior and everybody is like doing whatever they, they are asked to do. Nobody is like questioning the status quo nobody's asking questions everybody's taking orders eventually when you publish it you see that well for some reason it doesn't stick <laughs> why interesting well it's probably because you didn't ask those questions and there was only one person who was very sure and just relying on intuition and then eventually did not make a cut um if if everybody i mean it's very important the team would care about the success and sometimes in the moment when you were in a heated discussion it could sound like you're just creating the problems you're just bringing up the the cases it will never happen etc etc it might feel like you're trying to disrupt the team energy and then i don't know i don't know change the positive note and the negative but in fact it's actually showing that you a team member is caring enough you really care to not fail you really care to make it the best and so even if there is this hard people who are challenging uh your decisions your thinking it's sometimes a good thing because if everybody's agreeable and just you know not even asking questions then most likely um well it's not gonna fight because every project would have different perspective perspectives different edge cases different situations and if nobody's thinking about those situations while well, you're designing for this like you, you mentioned earlier success path which, which is like not always happening. And so it's not very considerate and um, inclusive, so to say. So team has to care. And it's very important that there is a team culture, that people 
care, that people ask those questions, that people trust each other, that you take your time to not just talk about the work, uh, but also about life and just, you know, building these general connections when people just want to make sure this project run or flies. Otherwise, yeah, most of the times, basically most of the projects I was in that didn't fly were either not enough team players or not strong team players or um, people just didn't care. They just wanted to get paid and that's it. And then as you publish it, you can see that, uh, well, things were thought through very poorly. Um, or, or yeah, even if the team is strong, there has to be this feel like this motivation and encouragement inside of the team because sometimes you'll have to go through hardships and sometimes, you know, there is maybe no investment or maybe there is, I don't know, there's another critical problem. You're tired of all the problems and you just you can't. If people are here to support you and, uh, and like keep each other up, it might work out, but it's hard, especially in the beginning of any start project and so the team is i mean i mean i'm talking i'm bringing up the word team all, all over and over again but i feel like from all the experience i had in the past uh, when my projects failed it was all because of the team it's either the team is not strong enough or the team does not care or the team does not have any more motivation to keep it up so it's just naturally came to the dead end yeah do you have anything to talk about maybe from the bigger company perspective yeah, I also have some thoughts around it. And of course, I, I love how you started this point with like all of my projects were failed. All of my projects had something. And I think that that's actually true, that every project that we we embark on has some parts that go well and that we might call successful and some parts that definitely don't go as we planned or don't go so well or we we overlook when we start working on that project and were surprised when they happen. And so uh, definitely, I think all projects uh, um, succeed and for some parts fail and which means that we have lessons out of them. So we learn, <laughs> we succeed and we learn. That's how we like to frame failure, like just learning. So with that in mind, I have a couple of things in my experience that have happened. And indeed, I loved your point around team dynamics and the fact that this has a huge impact if not the most important um, influence on how successful that project will be I've seen uh, teams in which definitely uh, in which just like you said they were so strong and so tied together and we were like all going in the same direction and all like we felt like we had each other's back and we wanted and we understood that everyone the developers the product managers the qa everyone involved wants that product to be like as good as it gets and so we were all on the same boat and that's what despite the many issues that arise the, the sometimes conflicts that appear despite of everything that didn't go well we moved forward and we continued to go on that path and eventually we we launched a product that was good not let's say good enough I mean I, I don't know if I've ever been in a situation where the product I launched was perfect and I don't think I will ever be and I'm what not is sure perfect that's like, yeah, exactly <laughs> I don't know if I know any designer who has been on a project where he launched a product and said okay this was great from the very beginning I mean you launch and then you discover all sorts of things and you have to iterate and you have to monitor how it's going so there's no such thing as a completely successful project or outcomes. So every time there's something that you will have to improve or look into. 
but yeah, I think that the team dynamics are something that can make or break a project. So even in projects where things were going well, but the team was not good, I've seen like the, the product, the process failing and not being like being seeing huge delays or uh, problems in implementation or just like nobody giving uh, a damn after it was launched and not looking at how that solution is performing. And so I think that I really, I really love your point. And in my particular experience to, to give a final answer to it, I've been through all sorts of things. It's, it was very much dependent, like in our, on our past episodes, we were discussing about what it means to be senior. I think in the beginning, it was very much dependent of the fact that I didn't know a lot of things. So all the things that we spoke today were like pretty new and not very articulate in my mind. So I wasn't very aware that we start from the solution. I just thought, wow, we have a great idea right here. Let's do it. But then I had to learn the hard way that sometimes the ideas we have are not connected to real problems and they're not solving anything or they, I don't know, there's already something doing it and it's doing it pretty good. And you are not going to move the users if you don't have something that's solving a pain point. And, but we didn't even understand the pain points because we just started from the solution and let's just build some screens to support that solution. And so I've done most of the things that we've discussed that I'm familiar with them. I've even had like poor communication scenarios where I wasn't able to like sometimes not necessarily defend my decision because for the most part, I think I'm, I'm a pretty good critical thinker and I was able to like argue why I made a particular decision. I was, I never was under a situation where somebody would have asked me, why did you do that? And I didn't have an answer. Fortunately, I had answers, but I wasn't a very strong advocate to my decisions. And so if, if I had, if I had like strong pushback, I would like probably like you said, think that that person knows better or that person is smarter, or I don't know, they have better domain knowledge. So they might know something about this um, industry I'm designing in. And so I gave up fairly easy many times on my decisions. And this is something like, I, that's my biggest sin, if you want, that I wasn't strong enough in defending my point of view and um, advocating that that's the way we should go about things. And sometimes you don't even need to defend it like having a philosophical conversation, just take it with the users. So if I would do things differently and if there's another advice that I wanna give today is that when you see something that's not clear or going in the wrong direction, then don't just, don't turn it into a conversation of egos or I think it's like that. And I think it's like, let's just go out and check with the users, learn from the users who's right. And there's actually, nobody right, probably there, there's like a better solution or a better decision for the user. So let them decide. That's my, like my, my, my top advice for, uh, for not, for avoiding pitfalls in UX projects mm -hmm. today. So with that being said, Anfisa, what are your top three <laughs> takeaways for today's conversation? Oh boy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we have like a, it's this whole, this whole conversation, I guess, is, is revolving around us being all those sorts of things the designers should be, right? Critical thinkers, uh, communicators, um, I don't know, empathic people, whatnot, like following the process, experimenting, being creative and all of that. Like, it's just, 
I guess my takeaway here would be it's great to keep those things in mind. It's great to always make sure you don't. I mean, it's easier for us. It's now easy to say, right? But we went through the experience where we gone through this and we realized when it was bad or painful or why we shouldn't do it anymore but for people who haven't gone from from through this fail so to say or these problems um when we say this it's kind of like yeah well maybe but i'm still excited about this idea so let me build it so i guess we just we would name those and if you're like person who likes to work by the workbook it's great to use those points but i'm still sure that many people will need to go through their own mistakes and learn from them themselves personally and feel it and know why it's not good. So whatever we say today, it's a great checklist. I hope it could help someone. I could hope at least it will create this. Uh, it will ring a bell in the mind of people if they would get into similar situations. Uh, but I'm still thinking that most likely people will be going through what they need to be going through. <laughs> as sad as it sounds but it, it's like true like me we always or we often learn from our mistakes however if i would try to again look back into whole conversations i think it's still very important uh to to be confident to try to build your confidence to try to rationalize your decisions communicate your decisions and always be at the again how did you say sit sit drive uh, driver's seat. Seat. Driver seat yay <laughs> try to be in a driver's seat no matter what level of a design you are be it a junior middle or senior it's important to drive the processes even if you're not super confident i mean like like in the previous conversations i i was mentioning that it's not that you will ever become a super confident know-it-all kind of designer so even if you're a junior embrace it you already have to be the driver <laughs> It's like not like you have to take orders now. From the tactical level, at least, like from some domain area, you have to be the driver and, and rule your process. I don't know. It was not like three top takeaways, but it was just my thinking aloud about all the conversation we had today. What about your points or thinking here? I want to circle back to a point that you made around asking a lot of whys. I think that this is like the number one rule of avoiding pitfalls false UX project. So if I am to say, to choose one thing nice. that I feel mm -hmm. is fundamental is like asking questions. And that can go extremely divergent and broad. And it means asking questions to the business stakeholders, to the client, to, and, and then of course, asking your users why and asking why again and again, like the why laddering, uh, five whys and so on technique. Uh, so ask questions ask questions that's like the best way you can protect yourself uh from failure from mistakes from the wrong path from the wrong insights from the wrong decisions and so on so just asking questions and i think that i loved your point about how junior designers are afraid to ask and i think sometimes even senior designers are afraid to ask because it might be uncomfortable because it might i don't know bring True. things that are uh painful or that are like conflictual um, if that's a word and so um yeah i think that asking questions asking whys is like my top takeaway for uh for the pitfall the the what's wrong with the process uh with the pro with the ux project conversation is that not enough questions are being asked asked in all parts of the process uh, and that's one thing I think that uh, I also want to restate the thing that 
happens way too often and i think that industry has been talking about it for a long time already people start from the solution they don't start from the problem they don't spend enough time and with thoroughly understanding the problem they just have an idea and that's how they think that they're going to build the next successful product and the next successful startup and they just have like an idea when in fact i think it's way more viable and effective if you start by choosing a problem space that you want to go into and that you want to understand and unpack and deconstruct and essentially discover that's why it's called discovery so choose a problem to solve or a problem a question that you have around the problem and then go explore that and not just how i could put this idea i have into something tangible and launch it as a product i think that's a very uh, ineffective way of going about the design process. And my last point for today is, again, I cannot um, overstate how important it is to be self-aware and to reflect and to just look at whatever it is you're doing, document your process, document your uh, activities, document conversations as much as possible just keep a, a map of yourself in that project and of and of the project as well and that will definitely help you with spotting uh things that can go wrong in the future or in the immediate future or that are already wrong in the wrong place and fix them sooner so just be self-aware uh, and aware of what's happening in that project at, at all times so foster this exercise of switching from being there very zoomed in and focused to 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 uh, zooming out onto the broader picture so this is like my top three things that i feel are important from today's conversation and with that i just want to thank everyone for listening to the episode uh about what's wrong what can go wrong in ux projects and i just want to invite everyone to follow honest ux talks on instagram and on listen to us on any platform and if you want to help us and support us to have more conversations like this please leave a review or just send us your happy thoughts it really helps to know that somebody's listening and uh, they're giving feedback Yay. and that this, this is enjoyable <laughs> yeah. and uh not sure if you want to add anything on fisa before we say goodbye no no that's it <laughs> okay so in that case thank you everyone for listening check out our other episodes we have a lot of interesting and honest ux talks yeah. on our uh, <laughs> podcast history and um yeah and if you have more questions just dm us we are definitely interested in tackling real world problems <laughs> so dm yes. us your problem and we will tackle it in the next episodes <laughs> wonderful okay okay cool thank you so much bye bye everyone